That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Today on the show, a conversation about entrepreneurship in Chattanooga with a man who knows a lot about it. Today, I talked to Cam Duty. He co-founded and he and his team built moving startup Bellhop. Cam is now a founder at Chattanooga's Brickyard. Brickyard invests in early stage startups. They bring those founders to Chattanooga so they can all learn and grow together. The teams that come here are here for two or three years. And uh, when you're in that environment, you know, these founders just know one thing. It's like, okay, if you want to get to product market fit, it's going to take everything that you have to give. And this is really a maximalist approach to uh, leaving it all in the field. This is... The Morrowtown, Tennessee. November of 2012 was when we moved to Chattanooga, and that was our first round of venture capital. So we'd raised some friends and family money. You know, our parents put in some, you know, gave us some loans uh, that we, you know, ultimately paid back. Um, But our first equity financing was actually, you know, here in Chattanooga with with Lamppost. They wrote our first checks. We moved here for, I think the first check was 600 grand. And, um, you know, over the last... 10 years or so we've that the bellhops raised about 120 million bucks and um from all over the country and uh yeah i mean we fell in love with the city and we're you know we we would rather be no other place what was that ride like right because i read somewhere recently it was like the 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 second biggest moving company in the country or something you know bellhops is growing from like you said just you and it was yeah it was absolutely wild i mean when we first so the the original concept with bellhops was we wanted to to provide like a realistic option for for college students to be able to move because no one hired moving companies you really just needed like bellhops to take your stuff out of your car and up to your dorm room and that's where the name came from and um we kind of quickly realized that the student moving business was so spiky, you just couldn't build a business around three days of moving college kids into dorms. And so, uh, you know, the, the bellhop story was just this constant march up market where parents started asking us to load their U-Hauls. So we started doing that. And then they started asking us to go pick up U-Hauls and do their, their job. And we ended up becoming a top 10 customer of U-Haul uh, in like 2016. Uh, where we were running this huge nationwide workforce of 
bellhops. Um, but we didn't own any trucks. We were just booking U-Hauls online and our bellhops were going and picking up these trucks and doing the move and taking the truck back. And U-Haul had a competitive uh, labor marketplace called movinghelp.com and they ultimately saw us cannibal cannibalize their business. And so they shut us down in the middle of peak season in 2016. Wow. And we had something like 2,500 trucks rented for that month on moves that we were doing and they all went away. And so now we had 2,500 customers that were like expecting their move to get done. And I had randomly met the, uh, like an investor in, in Penske on a vacation and uh, who knew the CEO of Penske. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, look, this, I know this is a Hail Mary, but we have to move 2,500 trucks to you guys this month. And a day later, their executive team flew into Chattanooga and we figured out how to move all of those moves over to Penske. And that's really when we decided we need to actually, you know, own our transportation yeah. segment. And uh, but we didn't want to own trucks. And so that's when we started partnering with Final Mile Carriers. And that's how Bellhops ultimately grew was we figured out how to break apart the labor and the trucking component of, you know, of moving companies. And, uh, and, and so we could grow faster than anybody else. So we ended up, you know, we've moved now close to, I think, a half a million U.S. households right. and uh, still don't own a single truck. Um, and that was really the story of the company. When you look back over, you know, 12 plus years of, of that, it, it is a... It's like the stories we tell ourselves, right? About our, about our, our careers and our lives, right? It, 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 there's, there's a narrative there, but day to day back in 2013, 14, 15, like what was that, how much, I mean, you're, you're uh, I can only imagine the number of hours you're putting in. I mean, what, what was that like day to day to, to kind of be in the middle of that? So, yeah, like you, you it, it, it's kind of like you see this, the summit of Mount Everest from like 100 miles away. And you're like, okay, I know where I'm going. I know what I need to do. But the routing that you think you're gonna to take to get to the sum of, summit of Everest is, you know, you have a hundred false summits that you have to climb on the way to actually finding your path up. And so the day-to-day -day volatility of any of these companies that are building in that, you know, the first one to three years post, you know, raise, um, it's insane. And a lot of times you can't see the summit. It's like you're so mired in your day-to-day -day issues that, you know, you feel like you're going in the right direction and you just have to kind of persist through it. And, uh, you know, but when you look back on any of the, the early days building a company, the, the pain in the present is like, it's pain and suffering. I mean, it is hard. It's like, you you are not having fun in those early days yeah. with the exception of like you know maybe one out of every 25 days is so stratospherically high where you feel like you have perfect clarity and you know how this is going to play out the next 24 days are like the bottom of the bottom where you're like this is never going to work and you just have to persist what where do you that. get the wherewithal to to have this idea of like I know today is going to be a hard day and tomorrow's gonna be a hard day, but I know at the end of the thing, it's gonna work. I mean, but, and you really don't know, but you have to believe that you know. Like, like where, where does that kind of, you know, attitude, you know, I think, come from? 
a founder's main gift is delusional optimism. Yeah. It's like you looking back on what we were up against, knowing what we had to, to do to, to get Bellhops where it is today. We were completely delusional. Like there, we had no business do, doing what we were doing. But when you're in the middle of it, you believe that you're going to win. You truly believe down to your core. Like we, we know that we're David and the Goliath story. And, but you don't really understand the odds when you're in the middle of it because it's do or die. It's like, you're not, you know, David's not like doing math in his head as what's the probability of me winning here. You're just trying not to die. And uh, yes, it's just this sort of delusional optimism of showing up every day and going to work and uh, trying to be neurotic around avoiding all these landmines that, you know, are undoubtedly in front of you. Uh, it just takes a lot of thought. Yeah. Yeah. And along the way, I know, you know, a lot of people who, whose businesses didn't work, who, who had the same mindset and it didn't work out. But today you're, you're in the middle of Brickyard. Um, it's a, it's an interesting concept, but I even think when you guys were, you know, part of Lamppost, I think being in town at the time, people, people knew what Lamppost was, but unless you were in it, it was hard for people outside to really define it. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And so walk me through a little bit, a little bit of of that, just kind of like how you decided to to build what you've, what you've built here, kind of the, the second stage of your you know, entrepreneurial career and kind of like what, what this, how you think about this? So we knew, I think all along we knew, so Lamp Post really wrote checks between 2012 and 2015. Mm-hmm. And then when Ted Allen and Barry sold their company, they kind of just needed to take a break. And so they stopped making investments. Um, but we always knew that we were going to run it back at, at some point, but we were busy building our companies. You know, Matt and I were, were still, you know, deeply in the day to day at Bellhops and, um, but right before COVID, we kind of all became free agents. We sold part of Bellhops right before the, the pandemic. Um, and I think we thought that we were going to start another company. Uh, and the more we all kind of started talking, it was clear we were going to run it back. We were going to do Lamppost again. And, but this time we were going to do it with a lot more focus, um, a lot m- clearer a, a mandate around what it is. Um, but with a lot of this, you know, foundational framework of, you know, what really matters if you're a really early stage company is not what you're told by the, the mainstream venture uh, y- y- narrative of, you know, you need to be in New York, you need to be in San Francisco, you need to be going to the parties with the venture investors, you need to be going to these networking, that, like none of that stuff matters in the early days, you know. Uh, Ultimately, that stuff becomes more important as you become as you you start running a large organization, and um, you can kind of lift out of the business. But in in the in the early days, it's it's talking to customers, shipping code, and selling, and that's it. And we kind of knew, having gone through it ourselves at Lamppost, when we moved here, we basically were in the Loveman's building off Market Street, you know, eighteen hours a day for years and it was just, we were just in the trenches and uh, that really benefited us. We look back and we know if we had done it any other way, Bellhops was such a uh, monumental effort to get that flywheel going. It's highly operational business. You have a lot of just headwinds, like, you know, 
low gross margin business, low repeat rate with customers. Uh, you know, it's a high impact job where if you mess up a move, it's not like messing up a taco delivery. Um, you know, it, a lot of just kind of core fundamental uh, challenges that you, we had to deal with in getting that, that thing moving. And if we had not been in an environment where that was the only thing that we had to think about, I don't think it would ever have worked. And, uh, and so what Brickyard is, 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 you know, we bought this building off Main and Central um, and we've turned it into a, a, a you know, it, we're an early stage venture capital firm. We're writing three or $400,000 checks into companies all over the world. But if you take capital from us, you understand that you're, you're moving here to get to your Series A, which is really like your second uh, institutional raise, second or third institutional raise. So we're coming in as usually a first check or in, a, in the first round. And these founders are coming here and they're building together in Brickyard in this sort of highly competitive but very familial place where People are, you know, this isn't an accelerator that's last 10 weeks and we get a new batch in, you know, every couple of years or every, you know, few months or whatever. It's the teams that come here are here for two or three years. Yeah. And uh, when you're in that environment, you know, these founders just know one thing. It's like, okay, if you want to get to product market fit, it's going to take everything that you have to give. And this is really a maximalist approach to uh, leaving it all in the field in order to, to get to, to your Series A. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So how many companies are here with you now and how, many, how, how big can, do you want it to be? So we, we self-funded our first 16 mm -hmm. companies because we didn't know if this was going to work like yeah. it worked the first time. Yeah. You know, the founder ethos... And culture has changed a lot over the last 10 years where, you know, being a startup founder is now pop culture. It's like a status thing. It's, mm -hmm. you know, celebrities are investing in startups. Yeah. It's like become this cool thing. Yeah, short tankification of, of everything, right? Right. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, none of that stuff matters. And, you know, but w what we realized was, was uh, in order to do this right, we basically had to run back that, that same playbook and so we're investing in these teams are coming here, putting their heads down. And um, in their, you know, our, our goal with, with our companies is if you raise capital from us, you sh we expect you to raise a Series A. You should be able to raise yeah. a Series A. Yeah. Yeah. So and so, oh, to, yeah. to your point around uh, number of teams. So we've yeah. invested in uh, 30 companies to date uh, over the last uh, little over two years. 
uh, 17 of which are in Brickyard today. Um, and uh, we're doing about a deal every six weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, so what is the advantage of being in Chattanooga? Like, like, like you said, you know, when you were starting, you guys were 18 hours a day, head down, you know, you know, just, just uh, working as hard as, as you could. What, what is being here mean for these companies? Uh, and what, what, what's the advantage of that? It's an island. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, Chattanooga functionally plays the role of, it's a really, it's a special place but it's totally away from the noise. And so when you pick up and do, come to a place like Chattanooga and you're building a company, you've got one thing to do. You know, you're not distracted by it, the, everything else that happens in New York or San Francisco or whatever. You, you can really just put your head down. And that's really, you know, that's the role that Chattanooga plays in, in Brickyard successes. It's a great place, a very super cool place to be, but this is real, it's really not about economic development per se. It is, we know that a lot of the teams that, that come and build out of Brickyard will stay, uh, but we put n n none of that expectation on the teams. Like this is purely like you're coming here to, 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 to go faster, period. And we believe that you can do it faster here in this very specific time period between your first and second or third raise. Um, we believe you, you can go faster here than you can anywhere else, just yeah. purely because it's not, you know, you're coming to an island where you've got one thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And on the flip side of that, like you mentioned, economic development, what, what do you think that Brickyard does for Chattanooga? Because it does put the city on a map in a specific uh, way around a, a specific uh, group of people um, that's hard to do, but you're doing it. But also um, there is a, like a level of kind of undergrounded, you know, ness about it where not everybody really understands all that yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm glad that you picked up on that yeah. because, you know, we have teams from Cairo, from Belgium, from London, from, you know, three or four from Canada, five or six from SF, uh, five or six from New York, all the us usual sus suspects. Um, but like our brand is this, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's sort of this hardcore approach to if you're serious, you know, and you're not in startups because you want 30, 30 under 30 or something. But if you're serious about building a big company, uh, this is the place that you come and do it. And it, there's really sort of, for a number of years, people were just sort of in la-la land in venture capital where there was so much froth and so much excess and so much money being piled into it that I think everybody was just drinking the Kool-Aid and people forgot, like, this is insanely hard work. And so we're building this brand for Brickyard around, how serious are you? Are you willing to move to a mid-sized city in Tennessee that you may never have heard of in your life? To, to focus everything and all your energy and doing this one thing? And if so, you know, th this becomes our thesis. Like the only teams that we are backing are teams that, that one, we would invest in anyway, right? But two, they are choosing to come and do this. And when they get here, they're in this, you know, just hyper-focused environment where, you know, the, the expectation is, uh, super high and you're you know everybody that you're looking at on a daily basis is pushing harder than you are and so it just sort of you know it raises the bar for everybody yeah talk about a little bit you know kind of, kind of the, the idea of the evolution of entrepreneurship in chattanooga right because i know when lamp post started 
There's a lot of companies that, that were, and you guys were part of this, that were, that were part of this innovation district idea. And, and, and you have all the things like the collabs and things doing, doing with what they're doing. But then there was a kind of a, a period when a lamppost kind of shifted to Dynamo. And um, I know companies were, were leaving Chattanooga because they couldn't get the support they needed. Um, but this is definitely a, a kind of a, rebirth, second chapter, but it's definitely a continuation of, of what was happening before. Can you just, just kind of, you know, explain that? Because it did seem like the city and people around it were really excited about it. And then it yeah. kind of was a lull before the pandemic and pandemic was hard to right. Again, get you just get your thoughts yeah, I mean, on that. One of the reasons why we did this was, you know, we, Chattanooga is a city of builders and, you know, we know that we're, we're, we're sort of staring this inbound interest in the face from, Everybody in Nashville and Atlanta and everywhere else is looking for uh, a place with super awesome access to the outdoor. I mean, Chattanooga is just the core product of what Chattanooga is, is wildly interesting to people post-pandemic that is sort of have, you know, refactored what is important to them. And, uh, and so w when we think about how we are approaching, you know, participating in that we wanted to bring in the world's best builders to do it here and you know many of the people that are building inside of of brickyard today uh, are going to be the city leaders of the city in 10 or 20 years you know we have more yc backed companies in brickyard than exist in nashville probably more than in, even in atlanta and that's why like how how did that happen uh and so the interesting thing around you know what what we're doing is uh, over the next seven eight years we're going to bring another 100 110 maybe 120 new companies high growth top one percent what kind of Y Combinator grade you know startups to Chattanooga um, and like bellhops we moved here for a six hundred thousand dollar check. Uh, we went and raised 120 million bucks over the next decade. Every one of these companies is on that same exact trajectory. And so what this could mean is if we put 50 million bucks to work in, in the earliest stage companies over the next you know, seven or eight years, um, what that really means in total funding is in like the billions and billions of dollars that these companies are going to be you know, raising and deploying. Right. And you know, a few of them are, are going to decide that, that, that they want to, you know, contribute to Chattanooga and, and put their roots down here and others are going to go, you know, back to, you know, wherever they came from or other cities. Uh, but that's totally fine. Um, you know, if, if we can retrain, retain a quarter of our teams over the next, uh, you know, 10 years, we're talking about 25, 30, you know, series B, C, D, E, pre-IPO companies that are doing it here. Yeah. Uh, and that, that'll change the city. So if you could, and I've got a couple more questions for you. But if you could kind of explain for those who, like I said, you know, when Lamp Post was doing, was doing there's a lot of questions around, what exactly are they doing? Like, what, what, how does that work exactly? Yeah. I think there's a lot of, like, you know, for people who aren't, people who, people who do know, like, don't understand really how it works. Can you just kind of explain kind of, like, how it works, what your goals are when, when inside that? Because I know you're, you know, you're not just writing a check out of your own personal checking account. You know, you're raising money for the fund and all, the, all that thing. Can, right. can you explain some of those things? Sure. So it's essentially venture capital is, you know, it's equity financing, meaning uh, we are buying a part of a company for cash. And the company's taking the cash and then they're using that to grow really quickly. Yeah. And, and so when we make an investment in a company, 
you know, when, when it's two or three co-founders and no employees, you know, obviously the valuation of that company is a lot smaller than where it's going to be when they're two, three, four, five hundred employees or more. Um, and, you know, our, our ownership, you know, we take the risk early on to find these, these outlier, you know, founders. Um, you know, obviously in, in our ownership of the company remains the same uh, as we, you know, take on pro rata and, and, you know, maintain our ownership in the business over, over time. Um, but we're, we've raised capital from our LP base of almost, in, it, it's entirely local LPs. So uh, friends, you know, friends of ours who are operators that we've worked with, uh, some of the, you know, the, the core foundations in, in, in town, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the sort of usual suspects that are interested in business and involved in the business community in, in Chattanooga, um, you know, they put money into our, our second fund. Um, and uh, if we go and, and 10x that fund, you know, it's a $20 million fund. So let's say, you know, we create, uh, you know, a 200 million in, in gains on that, uh, on the money that they gave us over a 10 or 12 year period. Um, I mean, that's going to be absolutely massive for, you know, not just for our LPs, but what are they going to do with that capital once we return it to them? They're going to re- reinvest in, in the startup community. And, you know, we see this as, you know, we know the city is desirable. We know that 10 years from now, Chattanooga is going to be one of the, the most desirable places to live in the U.S. And uh, we can really accelerate that with, with bringing in the builders and not the takers, you know, the people that, you know, are coming to Chattanooga to say, oh, that's nice. I like what you've done there. I want, I want some of that. We prefer to bring in the types of people that are like, I want to help you build this place. I want to contribute to building the economy here and creating jobs. And, um, and so that's the really exciting part for, for us. Uh, but the, you know, our LPs that, that backed us and our, our, the first fund that we raised uh, are going to be able to take credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Final question here is just when you're mentoring you know, a young company, right? Someone who's, who's kind of been there, done that, kind of kind of an, an idea. Yeah. What is the thing that you're getting value out of when you're teaching and you're coaching and you're mentoring? Like, what, what, what is that part? I mean, you know, there's a, a huge selfish component to this in that, you know, Matt and me and Ted and Alan and Barry, we want to be around people that are super ambitious and putting it all on the line and betting on themselves and to be able to come into work every day and, you know, be able to provide guidance and and by no means like this is not an accelerator. You know, we don't have a program like our, you know, we're not doing workshops for paid customer. You know, these are top tier founders that don't need that, but they do need somebody to talk to when, when everything's going wrong. And, everything is almost always going wrong in these companies. And so we may be gluttons for punishment, but it's like, you know, being able to be in an environment where we can actually help people sort of navigate a really tough time. Once you've been through it before, you can kind of like, you, 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 you can take a look that's a little less volatile than, than maybe, you know, the first time that you ever went through it and provide just some, you know, a, a steady hand, uh, usually more than anything, on just keep laying brick. You know, just keep showing up, keep working the problem. And if you do that long enough and you manage to not die, you're going to build something valuable. Uh, and 
honestly, you know, that's, that's probably 90% of the guidance that we give our teams is just keep going. Big thanks to Cam Duty for this conversation. And we're not finished talking about entrepreneurship and Brickyard. Next time on the show, we'll talk to Luke Brickman. He's a founder for Texla. That's one of the companies in the Brickyard portfolio. Luke moved to Chattanooga to learn from Cam and the other founders at Brickyard. We get into that story next time on Tomorrowtown, Tennessee. This podcast is a production of News Channel 9, Fox Chattanooga, and Sinclair Broadcast Group Chattanooga. We hope you join us again real soon.